Welcome to episode 7 of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican with Joe LaTemplio, Ben Rowe. I'm Joey LaFranca. How are we guys doing today? Good, buddy. How are you, Mr. Sports Editor? That's right. Not too bad, Mr. Editor-in-Chief. I don't know why we have to do the titles every time. You're very adamant about that. Everybody knows who we are right now. Well, they can't see you. They can't see us, though. But they hear us. And new listeners are like, oh, Joe's the Editor-in-Chief. Oh, Ben's the night editor. What's a night editor? What's the night editor? Yeah, and then you have the you have nightman, dayman, that type of yes. thing. So okay, so we'll keep doing the we'll keep doing the uh-huh. titles for new listeners. Yes, uh-huh. welcome but, new listeners. There we go. If this there is your go. first time listening, <laughs> yes. But Joe, I mean, we'll get right into it. A lot of things going on. Yes, it is. Hey, the last few weeks seems like every week is a busy week. Yeah. Um, we have big news in SUNY, State University of New York. Um, as we know from last week, we had a couple positive cases on the campus here at Plastic State. But most recently, SUNY Oneonta, our Plastic sister school, had a major outbreak of COVID-19 uh, on their campus. Um, latest word I heard today was 245 positive cases from SUNY Oneonta alone which is alarming, um, and it makes Plattsburgh look like, you know, we got away, we're lucky, mm-hmm. we got away pretty easy. But that's always something to be aware of and something to watch out for. Um, and I think um, we talked last week about the 43 students being suspended. Uh-huh. I don't know, did we? Uh-huh. We did, okay. So, and th- yeah, that, like you said, lucky is one way to put it. Another another way to put it is look at Oneonta and every school in the SUNY system and every school at any level even should look at that as almost a, a learning lesson of look if this is this is there is the potential of things like this happening and it's it's really important that people recognize what's going on. Yeah, I think you know campus. This is happening at campuses across the country. There are outbreaks. Um, stood to reason when you bring kids back that many kids back in one spot um we're probably going to see something similar when we return to school very soon here in the north country public schools that is um there probably will be positive cases Um, we talked about last week though there's a difference there's a difference between positive cases and an outbreak it's expected that you're going to get as we've had here at suny plattsburgh you know one or two, a handful of cases, and then you isolate them, and according to the plan, you control it. So I know we talked about last week that you don't go into expecting zero cases. <laughs> the virus doesn't work that way. You go in kind of expecting, at least in my view, there's going to be a case or two, and then the difference is what do you do about it and how do you work with it. So Right. You hope that you can contain it. Uh-huh. can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And... That's Ben. You're absolutely right. I mean, you have you have scenarios where the reality of not having any COVID cases once we reopen is, I mean, slim to none. But the key is how do we manage it? Absolutely. Um, you've got to be. I mean, the governor has gotten high marks for the way he's handled um, uh, the COVID situation since it began. Yep. He's basically his plan has been to be as aggressive as you can be for as long as you can be yeah i think you know that's a model that seems to work um so schools around here 
need to consider it. We know that some of the schools have already pushed their start date back to October 5th. Um, yeah. Might not be a bad idea uh, for all of them. I just think that even though there was a good amount of time when when the schools first shut down in March, to think that from March to now, there has been a good amount of time to figure things out. But at the same time, this is an ever-changing situation. It changes every day, it seems like. So okay, one day you might think you have something figured out, and then the next day it completely changes. And I feel like that's what's so hard as to how to plan for these reopenings. And with more time, hopefully more things come out information-wise and we move further along in a positive direction of the pandemic, and that helps schools reopen. And if anything, yeah, you're right, Joe. If you have situations where you can stay closed and do virtual learning, I shouldn't say closed, you know, do virtual learning for a little bit longer, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. No, because, and, and we talked about this before, um, it's not just the kids, it's the, the teachers, the staff, and the families. Yeah. Um, a lot of these kids, you know, they go to school, they come home, and grandma's there to watch them after school or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And if they bring it home to them, the, the, you know, it's, it could be bad news. And um, shameless plug for our PR poll on the Press Public the homepage. The question this week that we post to people is, do they think that at some point this semester, SUNY Plattsburgh is going to go to an oral virtual learning? And we put at some point because not necessarily for the entire semester, but at some point do you think they'll have to crack down and have everybody do webcam classes? So we'll see what the public thinks about that. What has the reaction been? We were talking about it a little bit before we came in here to record, but what has the reaction been from the Oneonta side of things as far as the college itself, how they're kind of addressing the situation? Um, the little bit um, that I've learned from people I talk to down there is that the community is not happy okay. with the response and the and the precautions or lack of precautions. Yep. Um Believe it or not, the SUNY Plattsburgh model of suspending 43 students almost immediately, Mm -hmm. that was being pointed to as the way to do things. Like, look what Plattsburgh did. Oneonta's too soft, um, is what I'm hearing. Right. Um, Because I guess there were parties galore down there. Seems like it. I know when I saw the... And then now there's two cases at Hartwick now. Oh, interesting. I know I saw when I was scrolling through my Twitter on Sunday, and I think that's when the news really started to come out, and I just was searching SUNY Oneonta to see what people were saying and whatnot, and there were some students that were, I know there there was one student specifically, she had posted a video saying something to the effect of, we didn't even find any of this out from the college. We're having to find it out, you know, on random websites, NBC, things of that nature. Yes. And I think that I think that tweet specifically went kind of viral. And if that's the case, then I mean, how can you blame there? How can you blame anybody for there being uproar as far as the situation is concerned? Exactly, Ben Rowe, We need to find local students that go to Oneonta State. I know. I, I actually there is one person specifically that I can think of right now. Actually, yeah, so that would be interesting to talk to. He's <laughs> actually a former, pretty, he's a pretty former standout athlete actually from Mariah. So. 
Could yeah. be only Arctic view, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and hopefully just the only Arctic view, not the Sydney Plattsburgh <laughs> view at any point. But but yeah, and then um, again, beyond the colleges, next week is back to school for grade schools. For many. And for many, yes. For some, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, I really, we were talking about it before, Joe, we, we said the, the in-person learning is vital in so many aspects. But if it means that for another couple months or a little bit longer, we continue to be on the, we continue to have some caution and more lean toward that, it's not the worst thing when you look at the big grand scheme of things. Well, yeah, in-person learning is vital. Yeah. So is staying alive. <laughs> that's yeah that's a really big and, and it's not it's not unfortunately not, that's the way you have to look at yeah it. and we can kind of laugh because you know it's it's kind of crude humor but it's true mm-hmm. i mean that it's it's vital at this point and i look at it as whether you're looking at it from an education standpoint any of the extracurricular activities that come with with school and whatnot whether you're on you know teams you know um, any type of music type of thing arts any anything like that that's all vital to, you know, socialization, things of that nature. But if for a time that needs to take a back seat as we continue to try and figure this out, because I, I do think we're headed in the right direction, but we're seeing these lapses pop up, and that's what's, that's what's problematic at this point. Ben Rowe, are you concerned about the impact on the economy from the lack of back-to-school shopping? I mean, I'm concerned about the fact that everyone's got to go to Amazon because <laughs> that's probably, as it happened. Uh, is that actually surprisingly? I think I was wandering through Kinney Drugs the other day and noticed that like a couple of the shelves for I was looking for some handy dandy sticky notes to bring to the office, and I thought I noticed that there was some decent gaps in the school supply section. Yes, so I'm like, I noticed it too at some uh, of the stores. So I'm it's like, not well, the that's same. Good. No, and when I was, uh, what, two weeks ago, uh, for everybody listening, like two weeks ago I had to go to, um, I went to Staples first to try and get a big power block because we needed one for our computer room. And I couldn't, I couldn't find anything at Staples as far as a, a big power block with like 12 outlets. But when I was in Staples, it was, I mean, all the shelves were pretty full. Like, and there, were, there weren't even a lot of people in there. And... I didn't even think about it until now as I'm as we're talking about it that when I was in there even two weeks ago, that's typical before school yeah, shopping yeah. and whatnot. I mean for me I always like to go like the day before school. That was just my you know, put off school as long as you can. But <laughs> exactly. um, but I mean just the thought of that is true. There I mean there's a lot probably there's a lot less back to school shopping than there has been in the past. Yes, and that that's the economy, that's another factor. I will say though when I was at Best Buy when I where I did end up finding that power block, a lot of people there were a ton of people over in the computer section buying laptops and iPads and things of that nature and that makes you think virtual learning, right. things of that nature, the necessities of what education is now in 2020 during this pandemic. Where do you get the lunch boxes? Oh, Joe, they call them like e-boxes nowadays or something. I, I like the old-fashioned metal ones. <laughs> what was I your, had some awesome yeah, lunch I, boxes. I, I, wanna, I was just thinking about that. What were some of your favorite like old-school <laughs> lunch boxes? I had one that had a baseball diamond on it okay. and all these baseball men. Yep, and it had little magnets. Interesting. That you could put on the bases. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> That's pretty cool. I know I had a Scooby Doo one. 
old 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 school, old school Scooby Doo one Classic. When, I, when I was little. And then I think I'm trying to remember. It was either the Jetsons or the Flintstones. I also had one of those. And it was like a it had been in the family forever and still used it. And I thought that was so cool. But Scooby Doo, Flintstones, Jetsons, how can you go wrong? Yeah, that's cool. Did you have any? I know, I know. I used to just judge all the kids who lunchbox at school because they used to have to have like peanut butter jelly sandwiches, and there I was with my school cafeteria pizza, <laughs> just enjoying that while they had suffered their home brought meal. So oh. no, I never had a lunchbox. Interesting, <laughs> Ben Roll. I'm surprised. I judge them. <laughs> man, man, oh man, we got to take a deeper look into to Ben's childhood now. But that is a good segue. To some food stories. Yes. As we teased last week. We had the, we had the cheeseburger story and we had the cheese story. The do you want to go cheese. first or do you want me to go first? The big block of cheese. Yes. Well, I'll just tell you briefly. It's, okay. um, uh, it was funny because last week we had one of those days where we had a lot of issues to deal with. Yeah. Not so much complaints, but just some... A lot of news. A lot of news and some serious matters to deal with. And it, it can be mentally exhausting yeah. uh, uh, eventually. And I think I leaned back and said, boy, this must be a big block of cheese day. <laughs> and you guys looked at me. I like, had no idea. You know what I'm talking about. We, still, think, we still don't know. Well, I think Ben hurried and Googled it and <laughs> discovered that it was, it was from an episode of The West Wing. Okay. Um, where they talked about um, when I think it was they referred to Andrew Jackson when he was president. Mm -hmm. He put a big block of government cheese in the lobby of the White House. (laughs) And like once a month or whatever, they would invite the public, anybody to come in to talk about any issue they want, complain about anything, whatever, and have some cheese. Yep. And the staff hated it. And President Bartlett in the West Wing decided to bring back the idea of the big block of cheese. And the staff hated it, <laughs> and, and they had to talk to these people. Some of them were kind of, kind of out there yep. with these crazy ideas that they wanted to do, <laughs> and they had to sit and listen to them. Um, uh, so that's where the big block of that's, cheese comes from. That's interesting. So to piggyback off of that, we'll continue with story time here. So we mentioned last week the forty-nine cent cheeseburger Tuesdays that McDonald's sometimes does. Now, to my knowledge, they haven't done it in a very long time. But since the new McDonald's has opened, um, uh, what's that road? Uh, Up on Route 9. North Margaret Street. Okay, yes, thank Uh you. Um, I was blanking on that. Um, The the McDonald's by the beach. Yes. Uh, I like to say McDonald's by the sea. (laughs) See, see, Joe even said it. So I'm not the only one who says that. Um, But so once I saw that, it made me think of a story. So back when I was in high school, my junior year, um, we were, it was me and four of my friends, well, three of my friends, we were on the golf team. And after we were done golf practice, we, we, I mean, we had walked nine holes. Plus we were in school before, hadn't had anything to eat since probably 11 o'clock. So after golf practice is done, after you shoot nine holes, it's probably 5.30, almost six, because we, I don't think we even got out until about 3.30 that day. So when we were doing that, we had to drive back and we drove past McDonald's and we're like, oh, let's get food. So we, we go there and uh, we say, all right, let's get just 10 cheeseburgers and we'll eat them back on the way. I mean, there's four guys in the car. We can polish those off in about two seconds. And 
the woman who's taking our order goes, all right, uh, the total for that will be uh, 505 or something of that nature. And my friend goes, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's 49 cent cheeseburger Tuesdays. <laughs> so uh, we were like, oh, great. Uh, can, we, can we have 10 more? And they're like, oh, no, it's a 10 cheeseburger limit. So we go, okay. So as we were driving around, we picked up our cheeseburgers. And then we said, wait, wait, let, let's, let's do this. So we actually parked the car, got out of the car. We got into different spots in, in the car and drove around again and ordered 10 more cheeseburgers. And we pulled up to the window again. And the woman looked at us a little weird, but we did it okay. We, we went all the way through, got 10 more cheeseburgers, and then left with 20 cheeseburgers. We just did a, we just did a little fire drill and went around and got, got into different... Uh, Got into different spots in the car, and then we were good to go. So that is my forty-nine cent cheeseburger story. So we polished off we polished off twenty cheeseburgers that day. <laughs> <laughs> Order B sixteen again. Yes. Joey yes. just puts on a mustache because of the drive-through. Yes, yes, that's right. You could have just went in and ordered them. <laughs> we could have, but I mean, when you're sixteen or seventeen years old, you feel like that's a genius plan. Yes, and it, it, it is. was, and that so that is my forty-nine cent cheeseburger Tuesday story, which, well, is, which I, is pretty funny. I drove by the one here today, and it signs up. Oh, it is up five to seven. Yes. Forty-nine. I think there was actually. It wasn't there an ad. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So yes. there, 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 there was. The they actually had an ad in our paper. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty funny. But yeah, so that is my story on that. And Joe, you have one other story or well, two. Wait, I need to follow up you on my one? fast food story. Oh, perfect. Yes. Okay. And this one didn't happen in North Country, but it did relate to North Country students. Is that during my time at Cardinal Points, the senior Plattsburgh student newspaper, we went to a conference down in Florida, Orlando, I believe. And late at night, we were left to our devices, a couple of college students, and we got hungry. So we headed across the street from the hotel to a Chick-fil-A down there. <laughs> and, but as we were headed there, some of us more inebriated than others, perhaps, we went to the front door. And basically, as soon as we arrived, they turned the sign on the door from open to closed because we were pretty late in going for our snacks. So, you know, there goes a Chick-fil-A plan. But then one of our numbers, Ian Paul Tully, the features editor at Cardinal Points, had the ingenious idea that he noticed there were still cars going through the drive-thru, even as they closed the main lobby area. So he went and he knocked on the window of a couple in one of their cars and explained the situation and asked if he could hop in the back and drive through the drive-thru with them to get his order. (laughs) And sure enough, they invited him in. He hopped in, and when they went around, he had some food, and he managed to snag his meal after hours. So I always thought that was a a very bold move, too. You had a real... Lucky didn't get shot. (laughs) You had a a real-life Curb Your Enthusiasm situation. There's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David's character, he gets into... Um, he, 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 he wants to go get food at this restaurant and he, uh, he can't go in, but he's not in a car. Cause he, I think he, I'm trying to remember the episode. He locked himself out of his car. So he's walking through the drive-thru and he like walks up to the, to the place where he can order. And they say, are you, are you in a car? And he, he says, no. And he said, well, what's the difference? And then it goes on a typical Larry David spiel. So then he just. Uh, the peak, the cars that are behind him. Hi, can I get in your car? Hi, can I get in your car? <laughs> then he eventually gets in some guy's car, who ends up being, I think it was like a serial killer or something ridiculous turned it out to be. But so you had a real life Larry David uh, situation. Trying to get his Chick Fil A. That's hey, and nowadays we got Chick Fil A right in Plattsburgh. Exactly. This yeah. podcast is not sponsored by Chick Fil A yet. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. But, but yeah. then yes, 
And there's one other story that I think we have as far as John Thompson. Oh, right? John Thompson's story. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were all uh, sad to hear the news uh, this week that John Thompson, the legendary Georgetown yeah. basketball coach, passed away. Um, he was a literal and figurative giant Yeah. Um, uh, in college sports sure. and, and college basketball. Did so much for that program and for and for black athletes in general. Yep, um, was a real leader and tower of strength. Um, maybe he wasn't the most popular. Maybe there were people that didn't like him, but you cannot deny um, what he did for college basketball. And the story I have was he and his program came to prominence when Patrick Ewing arrived. Right. Patrick Ewing was this much-heralded freshman uh, from uh, Lingen Rat, R- the high school in uh, yeah I Cambridge, know in Boston. Yeah, um, and seven foot tall, very athletic, great player. Yeah. went to Georgetown, and Patrick Ewing's freshman year, um, the Hoyas were playing in the Kodak preseason classic tournament in Rochester, New York, where I, where I lived. Yeah. Um, I was in, I think I was my sophomore year of college. Okay. And my good friend Butch Messino, mm-hmm. his father, Al Messino, played in the oh. NBA, played on the Rochester Royals that won the 1951 NBA championship. Okay. And we, I told you the story about the Rochester Royals. One year they played at the Plattsburgh Air Force yep. Base as their home, which we still need to look into because that, <laughs> that is so random awesome. but Bizarre. so cool. Yeah, so we'll, in a future episode, we'll probably talk about that, and let alone I will probably do a story on that at some point because from a historic standpoint, that's insane to think that an NBA team actually played in Plattsburgh. Plattsburgh, <laughs> yes. it is. It's crazy. So the Rochester Royals, uh, he played on that team, and then uh, he went on to be, he was also our high school vice principal. Okay. Um, charge of discipline, so he had to behave. But I was friends with his son, so I was okay. good. You're good. He, he You're had good. quite a career. And he, well, he became a basketball referee. Yep. And he was ref high levels. And he was refereeing this, uh, the, these games in the Kodak Classic Tournament at the Rochester War Memorial. Pretty big venue, held about 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so since he was refing, he got Butchie and I tickets okay. on the floor. Oh, cool. Under the basket. That's awesome. And we sat um, second row, and the front row were the players that were waiting to play the second game. Yep. And Georgetown was playing the second game, and Patrick Ewing sat right in front of me. <laughs> I couldn't see a thing. He was so big. Yeah. Um, That's This is hilarious. So the next day, uh, the championship day, yep. um, we're at the venue again, and they... Thompson really protected Patrick when he was a freshman. He didn't let him talk to the media. Uh, he kept him sheltered yep. a little bit. They wanted to protect him. And as they were coming out for after halftime, they would walk right by us yep. out of the court. And there was some guy, some guy in his 20s, drunk out of his mind, about five foot two, <laughs> beer in each hand, and he starts screaming at Patrick Ewing. Vile, nasty stuff. Every really? word in the book. Racist, uh, derogatory. It was awful. That's terrible. Awful. And Patrick Ewing just kept walking, and then he just couldn't take it anymore. He stopped. Yep. And he turned around, and he looked at this little man who was just spewing <laughs> venom. And he just looked at him like, 
what is wrong with you? Right. And Thompson came up behind Patrick. And Patrick Ewing is seven foot tall. John Thompson was just as tall and probably twice as wide. Sure. He was huge. <laughs> and he put his hand on Patrick's shoulder and went like, come on, keep moving. Yep. And he looked at that guy, and that guy was just spewing. And we're all, my friends and I, were all like, shut up, shut up, get out of here. Yeah. And he, he was so drunk. And right. Finally, um, Thompson just looked at him like, I'm going to squash you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we would have been saying, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, so finally security came, and we're all like, yeah, there he is right there, that guy. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> pointing, this guy. <laughs> Chucked him out of there. But I'll never forget, because this all happened, like, f- within feet from us. Right, like, sure. And the looks on their faces, and I was thinking, what a shame that they have to endure that. Yeah. Uh, probably in a lot of places. Oh, uh, sure. I go mean, to play basketball. And, and that's, you know, this whole thing that we're engaged in right now with racial uh, equality and justice, um, that's just a story that highlights um some of the problems that have been going on and it makes you think yeah and there's i mean in any type of sporting event when you have a, a home team and a weight team big rivalry or something like that there's you can you can say certain things but you can't say oh, no, there, there's was, a line and like uh, this guy sounds like he was oh, way over it was the line terrible at that point. it was ridiculous and <laughs> And I mean, uh, as far as as far as John Thompson, I was reading a couple of different stories and whatnot. And I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive when the kind of the heyday of Georgetown and stuff. But it seems like, and I read one story specifically when Georgetown and St. John's played against each other, New York City stopped. Oh yeah, like that whole area <laughs> it stopped. It seemed like from and, and Syracuse too. Had yeah, and great Syrac- games and Syracuse. From what I read, I mean it. It almost it sound, it seems like John Thompson made Georgetown, uh, like a professional basketball he, it, team. It, it, almost it became must see TV. It, it's almost like, I mean, no offense to I'm trying to think of an example of a, a city school down there, like uh, like a Fordham, for example. For I mean, as far as like in our field specifically for journalism and whatnot, Fordham's a great school. But I mean, in terms of their basketball team and whatnot, probably not great. But it seems almost like when George, uh, not George, when John Thompson took over Georgetown, he made Georgetown, which at the time was kind of like what Fordham is now, he made them into something out of nothing. And I think that speaks volumes. He did. Um, and it reminds me, because when we were sitting there, we weren't far from the bench, and they, Georgetown had a player, his name was Gene Smith. He was the point guard, but he was injured, so he wasn't playing. Yeah. He was on the bench. And every time the Georgetown was on defense, he, he kept screaming from the bench, Weak side help. Weak side help. Weak side help. Yep. And I was like, what does that mean? Oh, you didn't know what that meant? <laughs> I was a hockey guy. Okay, that's true. So Butchie that's explained true. to me, which you can explain yeah. to me. Well, essentially, if if you're if one guy's coming down, if, if you're on defense and one guy's coming down the right-hand side and, and you're on the left-hand side, the guy on the left-hand side is, is the weak side. So watch the back So door, right? if you are more than one pass away from the ball, and if you're whoever you're guarding, if you're if we're talking man-to-man defense here, if you're guarding somebody on the opposite side, if you're opposite ball side, yeah, you want to probably shield a little bit toward the paint 
because you want to provide a little bit of help because what can your guy do from the opposite end of the floor other than if they do a skip pass? Mm -hmm. So that's what that means. That's weak side help. Okay. So at <laughs> night in the newsroom, would it be fair to say that you are Ben Rowe's weak side help? I think so, yeah. Because so, <laughs> so if, yeah, with the way we're stationed, yes, yeah. I would be Ben's weak yeah, side. Yeah, I, I don't think I could pass a basketball to Troy. <laughs> no. So, so if, if anybody's coming at Ben a little bit, I'm his weak side help. I have to hedge a little bit over and try and, and, try and stop him a little bit. But yeah, so there we go. There's your little basketball <laughs> basketball analysis. We, and have to, we have to get one basketball metaphor every episode. <laughs> one basketball one. metaphor at least every episode. Maybe maybe moving forward I can tell some of my stories from some of my, my coaching uh my coaching basketball games as sure. far as different things because that that would be that would be a blast but yeah so from now on when you're coaching weak side help will oh have we, a different meaning weak, to you. weak side help is very important especially at a, especially at a young age you've got to teach these kids weak side help and different things of that nature and you know you, you go from there but I mean there are so many things in bad just like there are in hockey and every sport I mean there's so many of those little like just uh, jargon type things almost that everybody watch would, the back door yeah watch watch the back door what are you talking about <laughs> that type of thing but, and speaking of sports I mean the pro, everything professional wise you know what happened last week as far as different protests and whatnot we all said I mean it the what they what what happened last week as far as protesting different things and whatnot was it was powerful. I mean, for all the leagues to to get to where they were as far as COVID's concerned, everything they're having to do to just pull this off, and then they came to a stop again, that speaks volumes. And I think in the grand scheme of things, I almost was thinking um, like 10, even less, 10 years from now or even less time. I mean, do we realize that we're watching a 30 for 30 like ESPN documentary now, like happening. A it's monumental it's, shift. It's yeah. crazy everything that's happening of late. And I mean, mm -hmm. this, the 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 games, whether it be basketball, hockey, I mean, baseball, and ho hopefully soon the NFL as well. I mean, my my goodness. I mean, the competition has been and, great. And you know what's interesting is when when it happens in sports and sports gets involved. Yeah. Where do we, we learn about it on TV from ESPN? Right. Okay. Political news, we get our choice. CNN, Fox. Uh -huh. There's no competing network with ESPN. No. Like a Fox News. Yeah. Um, um, which I find interesting. I don't know. Do you think you get the unvarnished truth more that way? I've never really looked at it like that, to be honest. Um, I, just I, think, I think ESPN's just a juggernaut. So mothership, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so much so that, I mean, you have NBC does certain sports. You have, but, but there is no other channel that I mean. I guess Fox Sports kind of does some of this stuff sometimes, but there is no other sports center. If you want to watch highlights or if you want to <laughs> watch sports news, you put on Sports Center. Like that's what right. you watch. Right. Like you don't go to. Fox Sports, or you don't go to, and we're not slamming all these other places. It's just the nature of the beast. I mean, you're right. ESPN is really that's that's the main outlet and the only outlet. Okay, non-sports person commentary. The Sports Center, the one that has the da da da. Yes, yes, that's like a top ten moment. Well, we see in everything else, people are divisive. They, you're either a Fox person or a CNN person. Well, yeah, and what I would say to that is that. Number one, I've watched probably more ESPN this year than <laughs> yeah, <Ben's laughs> any year keep, after Ben's that. always peeking over at my TV at the newsroom. As, again, even if, I think it's been said, that even if you weren't a sports fan pre-COVID, the lack of 
um, entertainment and substance from these past few months. You're like, wow, sports are back, I guess. You know, I'll watch the sports, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of my attitude of it. Is But as far as the, the bias goes, I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, ESPN was really clamping down on certain anchors for being, in, in my view, I, I recall some articles being basically stick to sports. Like, you know, giving them notes that say, you know, yo, cut the politics a little bit. You're going to look too hard into that. Yeah. And now they're confronted with the situation where you can't <laughs> skip the politics. The politics is right in there. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting cross-section that, yeah, talk about, you know, sports journalism. People As are, I'm sure, Joey, you know, you, you report on um, charity matches and that kind of thing. Sure. And things that go beyond just entertainment. Yep. And it's like, you know, that's where you really kind of find out what sports means sometimes. So exactly. And you speak of entertainment. Now, what's more entertaining from your perspective? Watching a sporting event or watching me watch a sporting event? There is that, too. <laughs> and, and partly that's, that's one of the things of why it's so hard without a crowd. Yeah. Because part of watching a live broadcast of a sporting event is when they get the home run, the stadium erupts. Yeah, sure. And you see all the energy just flow across. And so when that happens and... Well, depending on the channel, they might pipe some audience noise in, which is its own surreal thing. Yeah. <laughs> or nothing happens. It's like, wow, yeah. Again, as you were saying, 30 for 30, the strangest year in sports yeah. ever. The one, the one. <laughs> in every strangest year in everything. <laughs> for sure. The one sport that I will say translates the best without fans. Ooh, wait, can I guess? Yes. Golf? No, no. Think. I was, uh, that's what I was going to say. Well,. Yes, but I was thinking more like the four, like the four core sports. Oh, all right, um, four of core leagues, I should say. Uh, hockey. Yeah, I would say hockey because I'll give you a perfect example. This will Joe probably will not want to talk about this, but last night when the Lightning scored mm. to take the Bruins out of the playoffs, mm. I did not feel in any way like the moment was any less without fans there. I mean, you can hear the guy screaming. I think the goal horn helps a lot. Also, Doc <laughs> Emmerich blowing his lungs out when he's, when he's saying there was a goal. That helps as well. But that's the one sport specifically that I do. I, I think maybe to a certain extent you get so into the game mm-hmm. that you almost don't realize that there aren't fans there. But I think that's kind of been something that I've observed. And, and I, for the players... Um, I don't think they mind it either. No. Because it's 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 like beer league. There's nobody there at beer league. No. <laughs> and I and I, and I and I really think you're getting to see um just the raw talent that teams have. And they're not affected by outside, you know, any any outside factors, whether it be crowd noise, things of that nature. They're just playing hockey, mm-hmm. and I think I like that a lot. Now, when football comes up, that's going to be interesting. I do not know how that's going to translate. <laughs> well, I noticed in hockey on the on the the big screens, they have I love those. They have fans, yeah, in the cities of the teams that are playing. Yep, watching, and it's the and same celebrate. type of thing that the NBA is doing with the virtual fans. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I was just thinking, well, why don't they just let them come to the games? But then it bursts the bubble. Yeah. Um, so you can't do that. But football, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, the, the pace of football does not lend itself to long stretches of silence now. <laughs> well, I will, I will say that football, I think, is actually more of a TV sport than like an in-person sport. Only from the standpoint, and some people might totally disagree with this, but this is my argument to it. 
there are so many stoppages in football. Think about how much action there actually is in a football game. Seven you know, minutes. like, you know, you that that's that's the whole key to it all. Uh-huh. Um, so without the fans there, I don't know. What the, I guarantee they'll probably pump in crowd noise and whatnot. I mean, I'm sure the stadiums will be c- pumping in crowd noise. I know that's what they're doing in baseball. Are they allowing fans at football games? Not. I mean, as of now, no. But I know some some teams have been saying like, okay, we're gonna have fans of you know certain amount of fans, things of that nature. I mean, if you do think about it. Um, there are certain football stadiums that hold like eighty thousand fans. Yeah, you probably could fit some fans in there and very so and keep it very socially distant. Um, Here we go. Profit making scheme: sell like ten tickets, two hundred thousand bucks a pop. <laughs> How dedicated are you to go watch your team play? And I think that would be interesting. But I, I don't know. I mean. I know there have been some teams that have been saying, you know, hey, uh, we wanna. We want to have fans, but I just think you—that's one avenue to open up an a, a situation where things could get worse again. And do they really want to do that? Do they really want to risk it? But I, at the end of the day, a lot of it's about you oh know yeah. money. I'm worried about the they might get rid of and never bring back tailgating. That would be a tragedy, yeah. especially for especially for Bills fans. That's <laughs> like the best part of the game. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. And on, he, on the other hand, I mean, scientists do a trace experiment of how many germs are passed around in the typical tailgate, <laughs> even yeah. non-COVID. Most of the time, <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> it's true. No, that's that's true too. I feel like we've talked about a lot. I don't even know what we're gonna name this this podcast. We got we got the cheese. We got cheeseburgers. We got sports. We got. Uh, COVID affecting schools and whatnot. I don't. I, I, I think the big cheese kind of summarizes a lot of stuff. The it big, talks about the cheese. It talks about Mr. Thompson. And yeah, a little, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit of everything. But I think this was a pretty good episode, and uh, I, I think we can uh, we can close it off here. And our, our maybe this will become our signature sign off. Until then, we 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 wish you all some weak side help. I love that. We're definitely <laughs> doing that. Okay, yes. so just remember that from now on, and we will do that. And. I guess I will sign off, but moving forward, we will say that. But for now, we will say goodbye, and we'll see you next week.